0: Welcome back to The Cattle Call. This is your host, Curtis Holdy. Today, I've got a special guest, a family whose name is certainly no stranger to Douglas County or the Angus breeders. Today, I've got Jason and Kenzie Flory on here with me. Jason Kenzie, welcome to The Cattle Call. Let's just start out. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and where you're located?
1: Well, hi, Curtis. It's a pleasure to be on here with you this evening. And Appreciate appreciate the invitation to visit with you, and so um, yeah, uh, we're a row crop and and um, registered Angus seed stock operation, kind of in Urbania here, just south of Lawrence, Kansas, on the 59 corridor, and uh, we row crop approximately 2,500 acres, and and probably going to cab approximately what 400 cows or so this year between the springs and the falls, split about half and half, and so kids are the eighth generation although we have it's not a continual a continual farm um we have our our kids are the eighth generation we're farming some ground eighth generation we actually don't own it but but um i grew up milking cows and family have beef cows my wife wendy dairy farmer had beef cows and and so with urbania coming in here the dairy was dispersed 32 years ago and Basically, Wendy and I started over again farming and uh, was able to maintain some of the lease ground and start young and started in the venture of the the registered Angus and kind of a lot of water under the bridge, but, but here we are today. And so, Kenzie and Caleb, I guess I'd say it's Wendy and I, um, my wife, Wendy and I, and uh, oldest daughter, Kaylee and Dustin, have a lawn and landscape company in Lawrence. And and then Kenzie's kind of helping now, kind of back from college and uh, went out of state to get that Iowa State degree. And she's back here uh, kind of holding the reins on the cow herd. And the youngest, Caleb, is just uh, newlywed last summer and gonna make me another grand, grandpa again. And uh, he's kind of hopefully grooming him, and he's doing a good job. Both kids are, and uh, taking over the row crop operation. So
0: definitely got a lot of things going on there. And yeah, uh, Kenzie, real quick, what what made you go to Iowa State after being close to the great Kansas State University?
1: Um, oh, no, I- wait, 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 let me answer that. Just too darn close to home, Curtis. Too darn close to home. So.
0: That was my excuse as well because uh, I was actually still on the dairy, and I knew I needed to get as far away as possible, so that was my excuse for not going to Kansas State and drove out to Fort Hayes. That was about as far as I wanted to go, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's um, that was some of it. I was going back and forth after high school between um, going to play softball on a scholarship or staying in ag, and... I spent quite a bit of time with friends in Manhattan, um, throughout my high school years. And I just really loved both Iowa state and Oklahoma state. And I just, you know, decided to go to Iowa, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, actually my first introduction to the Flory family would have been through a mutual friend who, uh, was recently out there, I think helping you guys get bulls ready. And that was, uh, Jimmy Hoffman. I went to college with him and he had mentioned that Another friend was getting ready for Denver, and he mentioned that he had a uh, Kenzie Flory helping uh, get some South Devon cattle ready to go to Denver's, and said she was pretty good with a set of Clippers. So that was my first uh, time I heard about the Flories. So
1: it's yeah, I don't know. We've been, you know, it's been interesting that the show cattle deal wasn't said. of Course in the dairy thing, I showed I showed dairy cattle growing up, and my wife showed beef cattle, and. We just kind of happened into the Angus breed though, Curtis. We we had some clubbies with a neighbor of you. I mean, this whole beef deal and you know it, Brian Habian um had some beef. We had some mains and a c- few things around. And I realized, you know, this isn't the way we need to we need to be thinking and doing and we wanted to show, but we just really wanted a maternal functional cow base to start with. And starting then the Angus deal just grew and grew. A few semis along the way, but it's just Angus or 98% of it. So,
0: yeah. Well, before we get too far into the cows, could we take a step back and tell us a little about the history of the, the Flory family being going on eight generations.
1: Like I said, I'm the seventh generation here and, and they, our forefathers settled right south of Lawrence up on top of pleasant Grove Hill. And, um, right off the 59 highway. And like I said, it was all it was all farm families and and, and they we've branched out. We got family, of course, in all over the United States. And and but my little branch of it stayed close to home. And we've been we've been blessed here. Like I said, in a lot of dairy, a lot of dairy history in the family. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I worked alongside my dad. I worked alongside my grandfather, uh, my great-grandfather. Wendy and I live, we bought my great-grandfather's place. Um, we still live in that old farmhouse. Uh, we bought my my grandfather's farm, still on with dad and uncle, for the main operation where we hub out of. But like I said, when when everybody was kind of done, we dispersed the dairy herd and kind of thought we were done. Urbany was taken over, and Wendy and I, I guess, were too stubborn. and it was it was hard but in 1991 we forged out on a road again and decided we were going to try to to make a go of it and hopefully I guess we have <laughs> had some old landlords it's interesting we had a couple of older landlords that came to us on the row crop side and said you know you, you're young Jason we've watched you work here with your grandpa and your dad and everybody along and as they're retiring and we just want to see, uh, you know. Are you sure you want to? You sure you want to give it up? And and I had another family member that stepped in and kind of helped uh, help me obtain to get started. And then he's been key to me. And and so we basically started all over again in '91. So
0: okay. And and on the the Holsteins you guys ran were those all registered Holsteins? Yeah, or they were, they we, okay.
1: Yeah, no, they were registered. I mean, and you'd know this, Curtis. I I still got a picture of our. Uh, Rob V Mat, my dad bred, you know, hanging on the wall in my office back there with all the mangus pictures. She, she scooter sets down in the corner, you know, 2E92, gold medal, damn merit, cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I understand that. And the dairy industry sure changed. We don't have to go rehash that, but it's, yeah, it was, uh, it, we had registered Holsteins and, like I said, hit Southern National, Madison, that kind of stuff. So.
0: Yeah, no, we uh, we ran quite a few registered cows at the time, and then uh, you know my dad actually showed dairy, and so I mean there's just a lot of a lot of similarities there that I, I guess I never really thought about. So
1: work ethic, you know, it just teaches you, and, I, and I'll tell you this running this many purebred cows where we're at, you know, I've laughed every day. I said we might as well be milking them because we're, we're here, it's seven days, it's it's as bad. So you know with all every, well, everything you do, it's might as well be milking them. So seems like we're handling them all the time. So
0: yeah. So what was the, the name of the, the dairy farm?
1: It so it was Mayway Dairy. And so let and I so I'll give you that. So Mayway Farms was incorporated um back in the early 90s whitney and i and uh, and anyway long story short my grandparents were george wayne and lois may and when we re, we just hung that we hung that farm name back to them because they're kind of my grandfather wayne was instrumental and in, and in where i am today and just helped me i mean i grew up around there and he he's the one that he, he cultivated my love for livestock and, you know, and that's trickled down to my kids and my dad. And so it was just, it just seemed fitting after the dairy herd was dispersed. Um, it, you know, it was actually our breeder's pe- prefix on a registered dairy cattle. And so when we fired up uh, the farm, it got tagged with Mayway farms and then just drug into the Angus and stuff side later on. So.
0: Okay. And then as you moved into, uh, Angus by, I, uh, I think i got online and kind of did a little research if you will but it, it started out as as you kind of mentioned you ran some clubbies but it turned into kind of a show uh projects for kenzie and caleb
1: yeah i was actually i mean i gotta tell you yeah kenzie and caleb and and i mean i'm just gonna i'll just lay it out there uh brian habian was oklahoma state uh came out of there ended up moving up here and being my neighbor and Anyway, through him, I cultivated a relationship with uh, Jake Scott and I'll just throw Jake a bone. I think Jake's a, a, a hell of a cowman man and, uh, and and a good guy all around. And, and that relationship with him, um, of course, he's up at Krebs Ranch now, married to Cammie Krebs. And but at the time he was down at Express. And we ended up dropping down to Express Ranch and and just buying a heifer late in the sale that went on to do some winning and that's kind of how uh, that that's just kind of anyway our relationship grew with Jake early on I, we don't talk near as much now as we did you know from just being busy in lifestyles but but Jake's the one that that really helped us uh, really helped us um, kind of forge into this thing and and then that turned into a relationship where we put embryos in for express for a few years and and done some things but then we started flushing them show cows them functional proven show cows as we went on you know and then we started doing our own thing you know just graduated into it after three or four years and and so it's just been a it's kind of been a fun journey i'm sitting here i'm reflecting curtis now as you're asking me all this i'm reliving some history here in my head so
0: well, that's that's kind of the part of this is is going back through history and 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 telling the story of of all these ranches uh, and, and getting it down to so we can share with everybody else. So,
1: yeah. Anyway, I just but, but you know, that's what it is. And, and I tell you, we got lucky right out of the shoot. McKenzie, we bought that heifer out of the, down at Express and it wasn't. I mean, we were two years into showing, and she ends up winning Reno uh, with the Rose, the Rosie or Primrose Heifer PO54, and that was kind of the matriarch that put us on the map back in the day for for what little part of the map we're on. Um, it was just I was home planting corn. Wendy and Kinsey went out there and and we're, we just kind of plugged along and and I got the call that she won her class and then I got a call she won her division and then I got a call that she won her show and I'm thinking I'm home planting corn so anyway you never know so same same way with our with a bull we had one up in Canada I was I wish, wish I could have been at all these shows and that's and just couldn't make it everywhere so
0: well, I think that's the the struggle we run into is there's a lot of things we want to do, but there there's things at home that that need attended to and and putting hay up when when it's time yeah. to put up pulling plant when we need to and and uh, you know harvesting when we need to cabin it's just uh it, it's really tough to sometimes get away uh, from from the farm so
1: yeah and it is and it's and especially when you're just a family operation you know I never missed the kids sporting events I mean I I i if i had to work 36 hours straight on a tractor or working cattle afterwards i try i made all the softball and football games i think i think boy if i missed one it wasn't very many but when some of them shows you know i made i'd try to make it to a lot of them but when harvest is rolling and planting's rolling and cabin's going um you know how it is curtis it just somebody's somebody still has to keep things rolling so
0: yep no i i definitely learned that uh Growing up as well in dairy, it, once you got old enough to run a tractor and do stuff on your own, you, you basically, uh, were, were a full-time farmhand then. So that was the, the reality of, of farming for me anyway. So,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: So somebody's got to be at home. And if mom and dad wanted to get away, uh, which they really needed to, you know, looking back on that, uh, it was usually us kids that were old enough to man the Ford, if you will, because, making sure somebody was there to milk cows and feed and and do all that. Just, it's just a labor intensive and somebody's got responsible to get
1: it done. Oh yeah. Yeah. As, as we know, well, and I still, dad still talks about growing up, you know, at his place. He said, well, we didn't go with mom and dad. Well, we were old enough. (laughs) We stayed home. We were 13 years old. Mike and I stayed home. We were, we milked, you know, we're 12 years old. So mom and dad could run somewhere. And so, yeah, it just, but, you know, we have, it's a whole different kind of togetherness. So, um, anyway.
0: <laughs> well, well, as you started building your your Angus program, did it evolve from being, for lack of better words, a heifer project, if you will. What what goals did you set forth that, uh, you know, as you decided that you're going to take this the next step and be a seed stock producer?
1: You know, I, I don't know that, that it set out with that. With that goal that we just really wanted to um we had several commercial cows. Like I said, and we were putting those eggs in. So we st- we started flushing cows and putting eggs in. And then I I don't know. I mean, Winnie and I, it just kind of evolved and it evolved pretty quickly. I, I went to the Laughlin Ranch um and bought a, bought a set of cows there and we got some some express cows and some and some uh, wk cows at the time or kr cows now from krebs ranch and, and i i don't know we just i just had a desire we really when you're when you're brought up in the purebred business in the dairy i mean i what heck when i was 12 years old you know i could recite a pedigree 10 generations deep you know back on them deals or there's round oak apple elevation you know or whatever it was or marshville and and i and i had that craving you know in the beef industry to, to just to, to to further into that and just started studying pedigrees and stuff and and cow families and different stuff and but we're kind of known as more of a performance program you know uh more powerful or bigger, but you know, I mean, that's just kind of, but I never wanted to give up the art and this is the old dairyman in me. I was, trying to make an art of figuring out how in the world do I get longevity female quality and everything and still have a big powerful performance Angus female and that's always kind of been the way I looked at things and those that know what we've shown over the years and stuff that's just more more lines of what what we what we've shown and so and I just started chasing that and 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 then five years later you got a bunch of cows running around so um our biggest challenges are is just real estate, though. I mean, we're in Urbania, uh, and in the summertime, we got to put the wheels under all the cows here and, and send them south and west. And we spend, takes us a long time and take them to grass uh, other places, except we try to keep our springs as close as we can here, and they run on a lot of fescue in Rome. It's not, nothing stays here during the summer because we're so limited on acres. So,
0: yeah, and, and you you brought up Urbania a couple times. Is that the 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 town that
1: Lawrence Lawrence? Lawrence? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. you know it, that's not a real popular farm town or anything like that. You know, home of them Jayhawks. But I mean, we're really six miles south of Lawrence, right on the Kansas City Topeka corridor. So, anyhow,
0: and, and that's a, a definite challenge. Uh, we kind of oh. talked that before we started. Uh, but could you kind of elaborate on that a little more? uh, What what it is like living next to a metropolitan area?
1: <laughs> well, I mean the good and the bad. Well, I whatever mean, you it, want. It's 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 both good and bad. I mean, I guess because we're six miles from Lawrence, uh, we want to run to Texas Roadhouse or whatever here in five minutes. We're at Texas Roadhouse. Is that a bonus? I, I don't know. We've had we've had two or three accidents with farm equipment on high. That's not our fault. Um, you know, but it just, it's just happened from busy roads and, and traffic. But, you know, I mean, this is home to us. It's the only place I've ever known. I've, I've lived, I grew up in the house. My dad still lives on the, on the main farm. And, um, I moved. I moved a half mile east to my great grandparents' old place and remodeled it. And so it's still home. It's busy. So we have all that. We have all the great things around this. You know, if you like, if you like that, um, I guess it is kind of nice that all those creature comforts of the culture of town. But but it is very 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 challenging from the aspect of moving equipment, moving cows. Cow gets out. There's a very highly likelihood that somebody's going to hit one of them and we've had that happen too and so you know it's just the the unpleasantries of people everywhere joggers bikers i mean it's just you know hauling manure out of the lots and everything it's just i mean you really it it's a labor of love to just keep everything moving with everything that's going on around us so
0: yeah the the first episode that dropped was on the tailgate ranch and had the opportunity to talk with Kirk Sowers on that living you know, just right there on I-70 outside of Kansas City, Kansas. And, you know, we kind of brought up that, you know, that they, they can get somewhere pretty quick, but right there in the eyes for everybody to see going down interstate and and know what's going on. So,
1: But I will say one thing, too, here. I don't know what it is, our stocking rates and stuff here on this this fescue and brome, is it the best quality grass in the world? No, but uh, it allows us to run a lot of cows on a few acres half the year. So, anyway. Yeah, that fescue and brome just seems to be pretty, pretty durable uh for loading it down when we need to. So
0: well it's good to have have that there. For for those that aren't as familiar with the farming side, what are you pretty much all real crop? Do you do any irrigated and what kind of crops do you guys?
1: No, it's all it's all we we we're basically we farm some of the rockiest old nasty hilltops out here uh, down to some decent ground down in the walkie bottoms and along cold Creeks, just south of lawrence and so basically all corn and soybeans and implemented uh we're all no-till now my grandfather i was the one dragging my feet back when i was a kid my grandfather was the one that actually convinced me i probably ought to implement no-till and so we're 100 no-till um and cover crops with that are starting to become a become a a big part of our operation and stuff stuff is that that manner and so uh and that helps that helps extend the cow herd and things down the road soil health and runoff and all that stuff's just something we're kind of getting focused on when we step back and look at this whole approach and how we're doing things here on the farm so
0: so are you using your your cover crops as well for feed value as well yeah. or
1: yeah, okay. we've got we've got some cover that's just cover. We've got some landlords that are all about it, and you know, and try to understand carbon and what we're trying to do, and they want us to do it. We work with them hand in hand. We got some generational farmers that don't understand it as much, but right here around home, everything gets cover on it, and the cows will either graze that when they come home in the fall or. um or we'll take off because of where we're at and running the amount of cows and all them yearlings and stuff. When they run back, we'll chop some, we chop silage still. And, and, uh, and I love putting up haylage. And so ground hay, ground dry hay and haylage and a little protein will take you a long way. So
2: anything yeah. that you can chop and put up for feed. That's what we're doing.
1: Hey, An old dairyman or a cowman or whatever, Curtis, you always feel good going into the winter when you got feed piled up. So.
0: Oh yeah, we we had uh, usually two piles, and then we had uh, two harvesters full of silage of some kind, and a a concrete stave silo. So there's we had plenty, and then you open that harvester up in the morning and on a cold day, and that steam comes rolling out. uh, It's a smell you never forget. So.
1: We're, we're bagging most of it now, but we still fill two stave upright 70-footers. And the great part of it is now – and the kids. You know who gets to go up when we fill every year and level them off? Kenzie and Caleb and I have been the ones – and, and one of Caleb's buddies, Tyler, I, I got to throw him in there because he seems we level them things and get to feeding on them. But that's usually about the last trip I try to make up them anymore. now that I'm in my 50s. so.
2: And we were probably one of the very few people in the Midwest that still feed <sighs> I, don't
1: I, mean, I don't know. Everybody thinks I've lost my marbles because I'm still filling them uprights. But, you know, I tell you what, at breeding time and you're bringing cows in and they and you turn that feed belt on and you can pull 150 cows up around the belt and sort your heats off and everything into a pin. Anyway, that's just, there's easier ways we could probably do it. I guess there's still some crazy things I'm stuck in my old ways about. So.
0: Well, I think anything you can kind of put, I mean, we used to put some lower quality feed in those, those, uh, silos and, and it, it was a miracle kind of what, what you could kind of turn into it as you turn into silage.
1: So, uh, I don't know whether I could have formed to have cows today if I wouldn't have those those things and done the things like that that we can to be able to put up cheap feed and cheaper feed and do those things. So they've been like there's work involved with it all. But, yeah, there's still uh, and but, but we we still do it here. Feed silence, feed haylage every day. So anyway, trade a kale and rye or whatever and just grass haylage. So.
0: Well, no, it's it's interesting. You you talked about the cover crops because I got my link to my uh, Drovers Journal today, and they were talking about uh, customers and any ties they've got to sustainability when it comes to purchasing beef is a is a critical thing when they're looking at that. So that's a uh, an interesting.
1: Well, you hit a nail on the head and it's probably going to be the most controversial issue that we look at as as breeders. And And the Angus breed's probably at the forefront of it. I'll probably make everybody else mad. But, you know, I don't, and I understand the cowman aspect and the way things are always done in free markets. And trust me, and I just, I get indigestion when I think about it, but I'm also a realist and understand too, that things change. And doesn't mean I like the way things change all the time, but that word sustainability can have a a long tail on it when we start having conversations. Yeah. Producers as we move forward in, in the cattle part of things. So,
0: yeah. And there's a lot of different definitions. It seems to be the new catchphrase, but it, it's definitely something that uh, we're going to find a way to deal with one way or another.
1: Exactly, because we're we're a consumer driven industry also, and you know it's it's more than just the breeders, the feeders, and the packers. It's consumers, and so I mean we got to be we got to be smart, we got to be realistic, and we have got to be practical. So and not give up the function of the cow too in the end. So I get that, you know. Yeah. And, and anyway,
0: well, we we talked about the cows. We talked about your farming. You do a little bit of. Uh, you got another job. You uh, seem to need one more thing to do that you you're pretty involved with too, aren't you?
1: Well, the auctioneering and stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's actually where I probably first met you was you were, uh, helping at a sale that my brothers and cousins were doing as a uh, consultant.
1: So i working with, yeah, probably working with Jared. Yeah. yeah Jared Chipman. Yeah. yeah. And no, uh, and that's, you know, and I enjoy that. I actually started in the nineties. It was something I always enjoyed and, I helped, I still help sell some dairy sales up until twenty twelve and have sold some Angus sales here over the years. It's something when you're home at the farm. I wish I could go out and just chase it like like everybody else, uh, but I can't. That's just not realistic and, and real, but but I do enjoy it and and I started uh, back in the 90s at the overbrook livestock uh, barn and worked out there and that was something that that i enjoyed very much and that was back in the 90s you know wendy and i when you took on 110 percent debt and you're starting over farming again I, i i that list that punch list of things i was doing was oh curtis i can't i mean it's a wonder these kids even knew who their dad was there for about 10 years so um But the auction business is something that I kind of hung on to and I enjoy it. I enjoy doing, there's not very many farm sales around anymore, but I do work with a couple of local auctioneers and we still do some online stuff and, and still sell a few bull sales every year for guys here in Northeast Kansas and, and really enjoy that. I I just, I really enjoy that. So,
0: well, I think it's also good to kind of have something that gets you away from the farm a little bit. So.
1: Yeah. Other than, yeah, because for years it was a cow show. It was a cow show. So, yeah. so
0: And I'm sure some people will get it, some don't, but going to those shows uh, and going to those sales, it, it, it's kind of, for me anyway, it's almost like a reunion where you get a chance to meet some guys. Cause a lot of us are, are you know, some are probably better today uh, between Snapchat and calling on the phone, but for me anyway, that's the the time I get to sit down and, you know, see people I haven't seen for the last year or six months anyway. So
1: prior to social media, it was what, that's the only thing we had to network and especially within our industry. And if you don't get out, if you didn't get out, you got forgot about pretty quick, you know, and that's the way it is now, you know, social media tends to change that today. And so everybody kind of knows what everybody's doing all the time it which it the social media is a great tool it's also a curse too i'm afraid at times but but it's great it's good and bad both so
0: no i have to agree with you on that just like the internet it it, there's a lot of things we can do for the positive and and make changes but then uh, there's a lot of negative things that come out of it as well that uh send us backwards so yeah are some of the things you do uh to kind of keep life in balance you know you you've got uh, all the kids there uh you got a lot of irons in the fire do you ever get a chance to reset yourself if you will uh to get away and i I know i've seen some some uh family photos of you guys getting to do stuff i don't know how often it is i personally need to do more of that but i have a hard time getting away because i spend more time probably worrying about what's going on at home but uh have you had any? It's pretty, that?
1: you know it's pretty crazy and we don't we don't do near like we should but you know the oldest the oldest daughter's married kenzie i don't know she's sitting right here with me if she'll ever marry and caleb's married now and bring another grandson but but there's a couple of things i did in life because we couldn't get away i remember I, we bought a boat in the 90s we spent time at the lake not a lot but a lot of times it was wednesday evenings at six o'clock sundays you know after just a little just what and because we're very close we could be in the lake in 10 minutes and that was something we did and the other thing that we've done at, and this is outside of cow shows is as i started taking the kids as i was blessed and fortunate enough. my parents the one trip we took off the dairy rear and it was one trip and one trip only we went skiing in colorado and so through trips the denver stock show we'd always implement we'd always kind of integrate in a uh ski trip up in Breck and uh sneak up there and and that's something that's still that I'm I'm fond of and I'm in my 50s and I'll ski until I die but it's this 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 life we live is fast paced it's um it's not all bad sometimes yeah it's, it's getting the older I get it's getting more exhausting but that's something I hope the kids do McKenzie didn't go skiing this year for the first time um she stayed home was keeping things held down here at home and she came out and met us in denver at the stock show we overlapped for about 12 hours by caleb and wendy and i and danny caleb's new wife uh came on home to, to hold things down but we did we got to ski this year minus kenzie but dust everybody else was there and so you kind of got to force it and sometimes it's unpleasant there's a lot of things that's unplanned a lot of our friends have learned that Hey, Jason and Wendy called or they called and they want to go do something tomorrow next cuz it's rained or done whatever. It's, when you live that life when you can't have long-term plans and stuff cuz you never know what the weather's going to dictate and how you need to be home working. It is difficult. But but you know the one rewarding thing is even though we we fight, I'm not going to deny that one bit. It's not healthy, but I'm also not going to sit here and try to candy coat something and not, you know, we we probably talked to Each other in ways that's not always seems functional to most people as we as we struggle with daily activities being not only whether it's father, daughter, father, son, employer, employee scenario, it's family, but we're together every day. I mean, we are together every day. And so it's a like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes it's a struggle, but we try to do the best of it and we're we that we can. Wendy's in the other room grinning at us right now, and so anyway, it's challenging but it's rewarding. And so um, it's, I can't wait till the kids just take it all over someday. <laughs> That's that's my ultimate goal. Mom and I can drive around in the truck and watch them. I don't know when that'll you ever heard be heard it here first. Mr. Yeah.
2: Micromanager wants us to
1: just do it all ourselves. Kinsey, we cannot spat on this webcast. Okay. <laughs> well, well I, I, I
0: would say it's certainly a, a testament if you guys are, are going into the eighth generation of uh making things work. So that that's that's probably the biggest thing I've heard seen from a lot of families, uh and even even mine to an extent where, uh, as, as families grow and, and so forth, uh, they unfortunately just fall apart. So.
1: Yeah. And I got, and I, you know, there's things I've got, uh, one of my pill bottles on the windowsill is lisinopril and that's it's those people with high blood pressure And sometimes you just gobble an extra one of them and take it and go on but you know and a lot of it isn't a lot a lot of it isn't just about the family you know and like we've talked th- this job i mean when all the variables that you can't control um, you know, you do the best job in marketing, whether it's crops or cattle or whatever, and weather and insurance and landlord relationships. We have 40 landlords, you know, we deal with. And it it just all the the, the lot of the uncontrollable things are just they're stressful things, and sometimes, you know, and it, it's hard. And sometimes you get say something you shouldn't, or whether and it's and hopefully it hopefully it doesn't get taken too out of context. So
0: well, I think in 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 our business if you will in a seed stock business there's very little at the end of the day that we have control over we can look at how we're going to do matings and genetics and stuff like that but there is so much other stuff that is out of our control and you're you know praying and and got your fingers crossed that everything else uh just works out like you said weather and and uh everything else that goes along with it so
1: Yeah. Well, and Caleb, my dad's a soft-spoken, patient person. I've probably missed that Part somehow in the gene pool, somehow. And he, my dad was always super easy to get along with working with him and just letting and Caleb's the same way. Those of you that know the youngest son. So, Kenzie is more geared like me. So, she's more, it's more of it. Yeah, that's challenging thing. And in those stressful days, there's usually something that there's a precursor to that or something that sets that up that's usually you know, thinking somebody ought to be somewhere when they wasn't or whatever, you know, and it just, it just starts, you know, and when, when sleep and things it's, it's hard, but I will go back and say it's rewarding. It's a blessing. We've been blessed and, um, we got a lot to be thankful for every day. So.
0: Yeah, it certainly do. Uh, let's, let's move into your, your bull sale yet coming up. Uh, you tell us, when the bull sale is going to be, uh, and Kenzie.
1: location, and Kenzie, talk to us. It's here on the farm at, at Wendy and I's house, not at the main headquarters. Cause, but anyway, go ahead.
2: Um, yeah. So our sale is March 11th coming up here in a couple of weeks um like dad said here at their house in Baldwin City just south of Lawrence at 5 30 um we'll be offering about 60 head of 18 month old in yearling bulls
1: mostly um, 18 month olds
2: yeah um there's about 50 or 45 50 18 month olds and then um a
1: dozen or so springs yeah
2: and then we'll have about 20 um, registered bred and open females
1: um, selling. So then we've also got my cousin Jeff Fullery, who helps us a little bit sometimes haying and stuff. He's got some proven cows there. They're kind of like six to eight year old kind of cows though. They're fall cows, three in ones that there's only eight of them, but that's all the cows that he had and he's 60 and he decided he's, we're going to lease his little pasture. He's going to sell those cows. So, and they're, that's not a, just a nice little package of some older proven cows. So
2: yeah. And a lot of those cows of his go back to our genetics. Um, he's bought bulls from us in the past and and females and
1: um, stuff like that. So Okay. L. is a direct descendant of the old PO 54 four cow, wow. granddaughter. So anyway, so anyhow, but yeah, we welcome dinner at five sale at five thirty, video sale. Bulls are all here beside the barn and pins on display. We're proud of these bulls. Like, like always, this is a big old powerful set of, of bulls and, um, and, might find a cold drink for somebody or a toddy if somebody wants one. And, and Merck always feeds us a nice, uh, brisket dinner. So anyhow, um, it's, uh, something we've been working on. You know how it is. It doesn't start on the 10th. So we've been leading into this for a long time and hopefully we're going to video the last round of bulls tomorrow. So.
0: Well, good deal. Who, who, uh, got the chore of putting the catalog and the footnotes all together. That- Kenzie does that all.
1: Kenzie? I did not. So all the mistakes direct straight to her. I can't take credit or I can't take blame because, um, I, she, she did it all. She does all the picture and she does all the videos. She did the catalog and our daughter-in-law, Danny, Caleb's, uh, wife, uh, did her website and Danny's hoping to help, uh, or she's doing more and more too, but it's kind of Kenzie's deal, and, and Danny is is her and Caleb grow more into this. Hopefully, she she's going to be more of an integral part too. She's very, very talented. She works for Cargill. And so, okay, she, uh, she, uh, anyway, we're hoping. Well, well,
0: well Kenzie, how do you like putting the uh sale catalog together? I gotta ask that.
2: Um, It's pretty stressful. I've done a couple for um, a few different people and it's a lot easier when it's not your own. You know, you get all your information at at one time and you can kind of sit down and crank it out. But doing it yourself, you overthink stuff and you can kind of prolong it, I guess, a little longer if you wish. It's like now, um, you know, with all this rain and weather, we've gotten we kind of push videos back whereas you know when you hire somebody you kind of have one date or one makeup date if that original date doesn't work so it can be stressful but i don't mind doing it it's something different i guess okay up all night calving cows it keeps me occupied
0: no i i fortunately never had to do one but uh like I said, listen to some of the other podcasts I got, uh, most of them will say that that is the, of all the chores they've got to do or jobs they got to do. That's the one that they, they hold off to do.
1: So I, I laid out a timeline down in the old dairy barns, now our cattle working facility on how I wanted things to lay out in our brief conversations. Cause we do try to keep our stuff brief. And a week ago we were talking about this. What anyhow, and, we came into the office last monday and our catalogs are a day or two behind and probably is because i was a little critical when i came in and at least it was only one day of it because when Wendy and i used to do these catalogs um i'm not real sure how our marriage survived it and so the thing with Kinsey, it's been easier to just step back and let her do it. And we might have one day of one day of stress and not a week or 10 days of it. So, yeah, I don't know how it's, it can be very try- trying. I know for most people.
0: Yeah. Like I like that. I, I've just heard from different breeders talk about uh, how some will actually hire a consultant and take care of all that. Cause they, it's, it's a very stressful uh, to make sure you get the footnote right. And, and so forth. So.
2: And I've just learned to not overthink it. Like sometimes you try to get too, you know, strategic with it and you just, I don't know. I just kind of roll with it and put them in there. I don't really have a specific order that I put them in. You know, I don't put the better ones in the front. I just kind of try to do sire groups and kind of let it roll.
0: Okay. Well, as we start kind of winding things down here, uh, First thing we have to ask both of you, and this is a little bit of a fun thing to do. um, Do you guys have your own call for calling the cows? Yeah. So what's yours, Kenzie?
2: I mean, I just do what dad does. But it's funny because, you know, when you're with other friends or whatever, I'm fortunate to have a lot of great friends that you know will come and help us gather cows or you know work cows or do whatever and it's so funny to listen to other people's calls because i'm like where did you learn that like that is not what i do uh we just do like boss I don't know.
1: Okay.
0: boss I don't boss know. boss that must be a dairy thing because that was actually
1: my dad's and yeah. uh so I think I,
2: it is because I've never heard anybody else do
1: it. It don't matter. She she needs to pay more attention to the wisdom and the wise of her forefathers of that. Day. Yeah. No, I'll,
0: no, I'll catch myself doing that one and, and scab. So uh I, yeah.
1: Anyway. So, yeah, but it's it, I don't know why it's just always some boss. So I can still hear my grandma. She'd come out of the house and milk in the evening and start calling the cows up as. I was. 50 years ago, you know, as a kid, boss, boss.
0: No, and that was amazing because, uh, like I said, I don't know what your dairy was like, but ours, you know, they were out on probably 40 acres and they, they'd they call those yeah. cows and they'd come, they'd come in.
1: Yeah. They we got up to about
0: 150, 300 cows. It was a little different, but.
1: Usually some groceries though tied to that the brown parlor time too. You know how that works.
0: So. Yep. Yeah. No, we, uh, I remember when I, was younger we always fed in the parlor until uh i don't know somewhere along the line i think it became a uh dairy herd inspector was uh they didn't like that so
1: yeah yeah made a mess too so we didn't i that was the first thing i got rid rid of when when i was anyway (laughs) when i got to take over that part so yeah
0: well one one other thing uh and I'm going to put you guys on the spot here, but uh, okay. you know between between McKenzie and Caleb Showheffers and your donor cows, and I know you guys have produced some pretty good herd bulls, including the bull you talked about up in uh, in uh, Canada. Canada. What would your uh, Mount Rushmore of of your cows and bulls look like?
1: Can I say mine, and she can do hers? Sure. I, you know, there's a couple cows. I don't, well, I don't know. That could be. I,
2: I feel like our herd is, you know, um, I just feel like there's kind of like if you look at our catalog for our bull sale this year, I think that there's definitely a genetic variety of stock um, depending on what people's goals are for their specific operation. Like um, we have a bunch of sons out of growth fund. Um, You know, that excels extremely in in growth categories in dollar B and dollar C. And then, um, you know, you have some other ones that have a little bit more look to them that are out of full sibs um, to the bull that won state fair this year. So they're all performance driven, but yet they still balance. They're
1: still calving these. Some might lean a little heavier maternal. But I think what Curtis was getting at was our Mount Rushmore.
2: I know, but I'm just saying there's been some very so and yeah and
1: there's some bulls there was a bull that we raised that we called perfection and he's kind of starting to take off now but you gotta realize perfection would be over over a decade old this year and probably from daughters and just that kind of stuff he was a he was an sav pioneer son that went back to a cow i bred that came out of a midland cow that i bought out of oklahoma state university and um just just a phenomenal bull and his head his his head would definitely be up there and we've had some good bulls you know breakout was supreme at agribish and one farm fair in canada raised the i think record-setting high-selling bull in canada a few years ago for robbie hamilton at hamilton farms and you know and and maybe he'd be up there but because he left we didn't use him hard down here that was just something that didn't take off and and so um you know when we've had some really good bulls there's been some herd bulls i was proud one of the first bulls we ever raised was a modified and he went he was a direct son of that po54 cow and i turned him out clean up on 70 some cows and and i think it was 73 or 74 and it had a 100 percent live calving rate on that first calf crop i mean that bull was just anyway but on the females it definitely goes back to that female that we bought jake scott that helped us with po 54 i mean her and bill couch and, huh?
2: bill, couch.
1: and bill, bill couch there's not a lot of people that bill couch and brian haid being for help cultivate my relationship with jake and bill was a good cowman. he ran express for a long time and a lot of people that knew him lived over in indiana and ton of respect for him and jw Bruni over here some simmental guys and but uh that po54 cow and our 3199 be our middle donor i mean you, you can take our herd literally at this point in the game 400 plus cows strong and literally 85 percent of the herd will all trace back to five cows five or six cows and so on the female side lady the the lady cow there was she was no slouch and i bought a a really good heifer when we were starting back 17 years ago from john mccurry's dad andy mccurry who just passed and and john was young and starting out and them and she she, uh the black cat cow family's definitely raised some high sellers for us and done some things and she's been kind of a matriarch so them females we talk about a few of them but and we've raised some bulls we're really proud of and you know and and play it safe there's been some guys on the show side try to do some stuff out of perfection but perfection was a bull and we're down to our last thousand units of semen on that bull since he's gone he broke his leg a couple years ago breeding cows and i think i'm going to lock it down because if i can ever get to where i just have a commercial herd i'm going to use that semen all the way across them cows and that's where i'm going to start right there so just power cows power rib answer and the question legs i don't know how to answer this question kinzie <laughs> it's, it's a difficult question to answer well, so
0: you brought the the was it the p504 p054 yeah p054 how was she bred
1: she's a she was a sudden impact and so that's a bull that you know there was some people that bull was kind of bred for a show bull but that was a cow that had had a ton of milk and she was sound as a sound as a hound. And I mean, just could flex and rib and just a good cow. And, and I think the best part about PO five, four was, was when we brought her home and we were showing her, I brought her home and put a unit of semen in her out here in the driveway one night between two pickup trucks, because we didn't want to haul her over the farm and put her in a chute. And Kenzie had her tied up here in an old hay barn, bred her to be our Midland. And that calf went on to do, she was, she won was, her, division, she won her division at Nationals, in division Reno. in Reno. And uh, we won't throw somebody I've known close to over the years at first. I sure thought, man, we ought to win that show in Tulsa that bread and on that year. But it was her first natural cap. And I mean, she sure, she, she, like I said, there, just everything she had, her first two or three daughters just kept raising us everything we were striving for, you know. And so, she made it easy for us. And so um, I guess it's the easiest way to say it. And so, and that 3199 cowgirl out of Oklahoma State goes back to the The D.F. Empress cow, (laughs) you know, was the matriarch that built, in my opinion, built the cow herd at Oklahoma State. And so, you know, she did, that's where perfection, I mean, a lot of those lines, just old proven lines of brood cows, there's a, dairy, there's a dairyman in me, Curtis. There it is. Longevity and look for sound, functional cattle, but yet still meet the marks and merits of the things we need in the modern world. Well, that was something I
0: was going to bring up. Do you think that from your dairy background, kind of having a, a different perspective, kind of helped you with your success in, in building your cow herd?
1: Oh, I don't there's a lot of good lot of good cowmen out there you know that, that didn't have dairy backgrounds but I you know I, I I don't know I think it is because it was always something that just they're just longevity I mean we got some cows out here now that are 15 16 years old and you know how it is when they get to that point and I don't care how good of cows they are but you keep them that one calf too long and then you then you got a problem and so I mean we've had them I mean we literally some of them first cows, I mean, literally, any going on twenty years old, and we made a lot of mistakes along the way. I don't know whether I did everything so smart, but a dairyman, dairyman definitely. them, them old roots have a, an understanding of cows, and the how a cow basically functions and what she needs to do, and longevity, and and it. I don't know. I think you, yeah, maybe it did for me. So well,
0: and what is kind of getting at that is. You know, I'll I'll talk to non-dairy guys and they're like uh or you know, guys that came up on the beef side. And and one of the things we always talk about is structure, structure, and 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 everybody I think's got a little different perspective on structure, but in, in order for a dairy cow to make it, she has to have good structure for you know what she is doing. Start to know, defeat, then, li- then li- living on living on concrete and and yeah. I think a lot of people don't yeah. understand how in order for those dairy cows to make it, uh they, they got to be super sound and they have structurally sound. And I think that's where I was kind of wondering about, you know, taking kind of that mindset of having cows that have good structure, good feet, starting the way up and, and kind of building those Angus cows that you have now uh, around that uh, philosophy, maybe.
1: You, you know, though, and, and you hit the nail on the head, it, and nowadays with what it costs to feed one and raise one, you, you can't have a cow in the herd for two years and send her down the road. I mean, there's just, there's no profit in that especially on the commercial side and purebred side alike it doesn't you know you, you would assume and i'm not saying every cow needs to live till she's 18 years old that that's not what i'm saying at all but but they do have to they do you know you need 90 percent of them cattle succeeding and working for you and, and bringing you six or eight calves and you know we talked about that for a bit of success but I've, I've made a lot of mistakes too and i'm i'm the king around here i've had I've had donors as recips and recips make donors, you know, and I'm maybe not the only one that we all have the cows and you know, and but I never ever ever wanted to show a heifer that I didn't think was gonna make a cow. And and you know, and things don't always work out like you want, but we've had we've had some some cattle we bred for recips, and of course a recip needs to be good, and that's ended up going to the donor pen years down the road for whatever reason. And so you get that kind of jacks with numbers and, and herd stuff when you're checking the boxes in the books and vice versa. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I've always, i never, ever, ever, it was never my goal. I mean, I wanted to show, I wanted to show a heifer that was going to make a cow, a cow that could raise a bull or a cow that could make, make another female that could raise a bull. Is at the end of the day still this is where I used to argue with kids a little bit and everybody that was helping us in the show world and I love them all but you know I mean that's just something I, and I still strive for to just have have a cow
2: yeah you might not know this but we do have a bread in the sale that uh, her maternal grandam won her division at nationals and her maternal great-grandam was reserving
1: division why are you selling her <laughs> I need to look at the sale catalog, but it's been on a little bit of a delay. And so I haven't got my copy to sit here and send myself to sleep at night. I've looked at the heifers, but it's hard. Which one, what lot? For, oh, for got, our listeners, that one may be coming out of the sale now. She's got six, lot 64. She is a Primrose. Yep.
0: And goes oh. back to that PO54 cow.
1: Oh, uh, well, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah it is. You, I guess you got to offer a good one every now and then too, so. Yeah, is what it is. And she is a good one.
0: No, you're talking about the recips, and and I'll, I'll try to keep it short. But I was talking to a friend that runs Angus in California, and he said he had a, I think it was a ten year old cow he's using for re- as a recip. Great udder, weaned biggest calf every year. Her numbers just didn't match up, and he was kind of questioning himself why he had her as a recip. Fertility, she was probably the best one. Longevity, and uh, at the end of the day, you kind of scratch your heads, like, "Well, maybe she should be in that donor pen." So,
1: you know, and that—that that is sad, and that's
0: what. Huh? I do that a lot too. We do,
1: we do, we do too, we do too. We kind of say, "Well, it'll take us forever to catch up the numbers on this great old cow," and you're thinking, "You know what? Why am I doing that, chasing a number when I know what she'll when I know what she'll do?" and you know, there are things, most everything we understand, there are some things we don't understand, but this industry is changing and it's hard, but you hit the nail on the head, Curtis. I mean, it, but for some of these, for everything to work, I mean, your, your ET program's only as good as your recip herd and that donor cow, and they're going to, they got to they gotta work hand in hand. So.
0: Yep. Comes down the program and what you're doing and, yeah, and all that. So, well, as we, uh, Start winding down here. You guys got anything else you'd like to add or, or share with the, the listeners?
1: No, but other than our doors always open, we're always working and we're not out. We love visitors to come, come to the farm and go through the cows. And And if you uh, tune in on live TV, if nothing else and watch the sale, if you can't come, we'd love to have you here. It's usually a pretty good crowd and decent time and, you don't have to come by a bull or a female, but hopefully you can come and and uh, just enjoy the evening with us, if nothing else. So um, when
0: when will the bulls uh, bull start getting pinned and, and ready for uh people to come by and take a look?
1: So there we feed we feed all our bulls on pasture. And I want to back this up and go real quick. Our spring bulls, no creep, roam fescue and started on feed uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, high roughage diet spring bulls the fall bulls were started on feed then too at the same time um they ran out we let them get pretty hard on that fescue over the summer to help harden them up mm-hmm. to, to get for And we had a drought here last year but the fall bulls are right here at wendy I's house on a on a 40 acre pasture south of the house we got gators here in the barn people can come and look anytime up until the sale um that in the spring bulls are down the road in another pasture and and they're we're more than welcome to take them through there the females are along the road in another pasture we probably won't pin everything because if anything in my 12 years of here having a sale there's one thing i can guarantee you curtis Oldie: the weather will be pure crap
2: oh, it'll be, it'll it'll be raining rainy.
1: on thursday night friday and saturday of the sale The shed's warm. It's cozy. We got booties and the pins are are fairly dry, but we'll probably bring them up here and have them. the the bulls will be tight pinned on Friday here and just one big pin and we'll separate them down Saturday, you know, Saturday morning and have them in smaller pins. So, but people are welcome anytime. We'll do, we'll, we'll accommodate people at at any hour and just give myself or Kenzie a call and, and love to show them the bulls or cattle. So.
0: And the uh the auction format is at a, a video
1: video, seven? yeah. Okay. Video loop videos will be up. Hopefully we get done videoing tomorrow. We've done the spring bulls and the females. We got the forty some falls. Hopefully, to get video tomorrow, and as soon as Kenzie can get those videos edited, we'll get them online. Thursday. Should be up by Thursday or so. And the catalog's on our website at MaywayFarms or on Facebook at Mayway Farms. And the videos will be attached just real quick, like and like the sale usually takes about an hour every year, a little more, and so.
0: And well, all your contact information. Uh, since you gave the website, there will be either yep. on the website or in that catalog if anybody's got questions.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's been right. a pleasure this evening. It's been great.
0: Well, good deal. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to sit down and kind of share your story. And uh, like I said, hopefully I'll make it out there for the sale. If I don't, uh, good luck with the sale. And I'll, uh, we'd love to have you, but I know how it is. I yeah. do. But Can I'll. You- uh, Sign off for now, and we'll see you guys on the the next podcast.
1: Curtis, thank you. Pleasure.